Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining Law Matters this morning. On the phone, we have um, Hal Kempfer, and he's going to give us an update about what's going on in Ukraine. Hal was a retired U.S. Marine, and he is the CEO of Global Risk Intelligence Planning. And Hal, talk to us. What's going on? <laughs> oh, good morning, Sherry. Good morning. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's been a big week. Uh, of course, the biggest news is this uh, big sham referendum that they had uh, in uh, four of the, the Oblast or provinces over there, um, which, you know, the ones that, that, that Putin had claimed early on, Donetsk and Luhansk, but also uh, Zaporizhia, where the big nuclear plant is, and then Kirshan, which sits right above uh, Crimea. So they had the sham referendum. They had done this before with Crimea. Uh, after the 2014 takeover, where they they claimed they annexed it as part of Russian sovereign territory. And, of course, uh, Putin and others have made ample uh, references that if it's sovereign Russian territory, they can defend it with all means. And at times they imply, and at other times they explicitly mention that includes nuclear weapons. So everybody's focused on this because um, the threat of nuclear weapons out there. Now, with that said, um, they, the Russians actually don't control uh, the entirety of either of, the, of any of these oblasts. Uh, they uh, they actually are losing ground. Uh, the strategic uh, city of Lyman uh, in Donetsk oblast, which actually is strategic for because it opens a door to to potentially taking over uh, large sections of Luhansk uh, oblast. Uh, that city, as of this morning has uh, fallen to the Ukrainians, as far as we know. The uh, Russians were encircled. It looks like their troops are going to be captured, about 5,000 of them. And uh, they they said they withdrew. Now, it's not clear if they withdrew all of them. I'm seeing reports that, that the Ukrainians may have captured thousands. It's not quite clear how many. But that city has fallen. And, of course, when that city fell to the Russians, it made a lot of news. But now it's gone the other direction. And the uh, Ukrainians are putting pressure there. They're putting pressure across the board, um, and those famous Iranian drones that the Russians bought, as of yesterday, the U.S. Department of Defense had made a statement saying they're not working very well for the Russians. And, uh, a couple of them have been shot down, um, but the Russians apparently are having a tough time operating them. But on the other hand, they're having a, it's not quite clear what the problems are. Uh, I don't know. I can the problem guess, though, is Putin. The problem is Putin. <laughs> but, uh, but my guess is, you know, uh, when you have these drones that fly over and then they see a target and fly in and hit the target, yeah. well, somebody has to control that drone, and uh, which means there's a, there's a communications path there uh, between the drone and the operator. And they don't uh, know how to do it. Well, historically, that's been vulnerable, too. You know, we had a drone. The Iranians actually took over control of one of our really top 
high, very classified drones, and I landed it, and I ran years back. And uh, so those those comms paths, communications paths, are a little vulnerable. So that may be happening. I don't know, but that would be my guess. So what's up with the pipeline? Oh, you know, that's that Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines. None of them were actually pumping gas. Nord Stream 1 had been pumping gas. Nord Stream 2 was stopped from being opened. But neither of them were pumping gas, although there was still gas in the lines themselves. Well, uh, the Swedes and the Norwegians picked up, and it's in it's in Danish waters, but they picked up, uh, the, you know, first there was reports of leaks, but they actually went back and looked, and they had seismic registrations that there were explosions. And so the U.S., as of today, uh, President Biden has said uh, it was clearly sabotage. Everybody's saying sabotage. Uh, Russia State TV came out immediately and said the CIA must have done it uh, for nefarious <laughs> reasons, right? And uh, that's just for domestic consumption in Russia. But everyone's looking at this, say yes, the Russians, and they get they gain something. They they you know everyone says, well, gas. Why would they blow up that gas that gas line because it's run by the Russians or owned by the Russians? Well, technically, the line itself is not owned by the Russians. It's managed by Gazprom. They're they're Russian. Uh, gas company, oil and gas company, but actually, uh, a friend of mine who used to be an attaché, U.S. attaché, defense attaché in Russia, said, "No, actually, the line itself is technically not owned. So, who's ever liable and whoever has to fix it, it's not the Russians." So they they blew it up. It caused a spike in gas prices. Uh, they also blew it up very close on the fact the same day that the Baltic pipeline was opened up, which ships Norwegian natural gas to Poland, into Eastern Europe. And I don't think the proximity there is by chance. I think that's to send a clear message about the vulnerability of not just the underwater pipelines, but also underwater um, uh, fiber optic cables, which mm. we all rely upon to talk. The and so that's bringing up. Yeah, it's a, it's a very strategic move on their end to say, look, there's a lot of things that are vulnerable out there. And so now everybody's increasing their undersea patrols to make sure that that's not happening. Wow. Well, you've been busy this week, and I appreciate yeah. you <laughs> keeping us informed about what's going on. And I want to talk to you after the show, maybe this afternoon. Oh. Will you be around? I will. Okay. I will. Okay. Okay. Well, you thanks, have a great day. Thanks for having day. me on, Sherry. Okay. You. Well, thanks for having me on. Okay. Talk to you later. Thanks. Okay. On the phone, we have Oral Valley Police Chief, Kara Riley. Kara, can you Good hear me? Good morning. How are you? Great. Yes. How are you? Good morning. Can you- Good. How are you? We're, we're hanging in here. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for having us on. Yeah. What's, we know that you're up at the um, Steam Pump Ranch, right? Yep. We're on Oracle and Steam Pump Ranch. So we're just... Uh, north of First Avenue and Oracle, and we are having a human trafficking awareness event. And we want everybody to go there. We were supposed to be broadcasting live from the Steampump Ranch, but we couldn't do it. The cost was not achievable. So we're kind of doing this a split thing. We're in the studio, and you and Chris are out there, and we're going to be able to talk to a few of the people later on in the show. But we want everybody to know that this event is there. That's Oral Valley Police and and um, Law Matters are hosting this event with about 
20 other agencies and organizations. And there's a lot yeah. of information. We want everybody to come out. Yeah, and it'll run from uh, 8 a.m. until noon. And we have a lot of our government partners that are out here, the Tucson Police Department, the Tucson Airport Authority, um, the Attorney General's Office, Homeland Security is out here, as well as a lot of nonprofits who can provide some resources for our community members that decide to attend. Yeah, there's a lot of good information there. And you don't know what you don't know until you come out and check it out. And you'll learn something today. Trust me, I learn something every time I, I listen to these people. So we want everybody to be there. In the farmer's market's yeah. right there, too. So it's a win Yeah, we're right next to the farmer's market. And it'll be an opportunity for education and prevention on this very important topic. And that we want to uh, be able to teach our community and also provide some different resources that we are, um, as an agency, provide out to our apartment complexes, our resorts, hotels, and prevention and education. So everybody, if you're within listening distance, you're close enough to go to this and and find out what's going on. And I understand they're going to have like games there for the kids. There is a lot of games that are out here for the kids. And um, I just saw some hula hoops that were out there and a lot of candy that's uh, on people's uh, different tables. And so great opportunity. And certainly our farmer's market is always an attraction as well with great vendors that are out here. Are you going to hula hoop for us? I am not. That is one thing I am not not good at, uh, dancing or hula hooping or singing. So, there you go. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll book somebody else then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, in the studio, we have Tracy Miller, and she's going to give us some definitions and explain some some of the legal portion of what happens with the sex trafficking so all in all, we've got a lot of lot going on this morning, and Tracy and I will both be at the farmer's market right after the show. Is Kara there? Well, that's... Okay. Yep. No, I really appreciate it, and, and Tracy Miller is a great resource uh, that can answer any questions that may come in from the public as well. So yeah, please come out to the farmer's market, and we look forward to seeing everybody out here. Okay, we'll see you in about an hour. Okay, thank you so thank, much. Thank you. Tracy, tell us what's going on with, and, and I have to say this, I was talking to somebody and they we were talking about the Bill Cosby case, and I said, well, that was sexual abuse, and they said, well, sex trafficking is sexual abuse. Explain what the difference is so people understand that his case was a little bit different than Jeffrey Epstein. So, Sherry, I think the biggest point there that's helpful um, to think about is for sex trafficking, uh, human trafficking, there's an element of deception, force, or coercion that goes on. And while sexual assault is usually something or sexual abuse, it's a non-consensual sex contact between two different people, it doesn't have to involve deception, force, or coercion at all. And that's kind of the difference between them. When we're talking about human trafficking, what we're talking about is a dynamic that involves commercial sex acts. It involves victims who are repeatedly subject to 
a form of torture that most of us just can't even imagine. And I would say that's, you know, the biggest difference. And and the legal distinction and the language that is used is force, fraud, or coercion. And that's what sex trafficking is about. Um, It's different than sex assault or sex abuse in that way. Okay, tell people a little bit about you, your background. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, Well, I uh, grew up in a small town southeast of Tucson, but I've been in Tucson the majority of my life. I have worked at the Pima County Attorney's Office now for over 30 years. I started as... You know, you look like you're 30 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, I'm much over than that. Thank you, Sherry. Um, I started out as an intern through the University of Arizona when I was getting my political science degree. And I just fell in love with what our office did and what it stands for. And I never left. I uh, started out uh, working there as a legal secretary. I then worked as a paralegal. I then trained secretaries and paralegals in the criminal division. I had an opportunity to work with some very experienced and wonderful prosecutors in our office over the years. And many of them motivated me to go to law school. So when my children were old enough, I attended the University of Arizona, James E. Rogers College of Law, and graduated in 2014. And I have been a prosecutor ever since. Um, I love the office, and I love the work that we do. I'm currently the bureau chief for the Special Victims Unit, which supervises and handles all of the sex crimes that occur in our community, whether it's adults or kids, and also the domestic violence area falls under our bureau. So I have a great group of prosecutors and staff that work in this area that are committed to making sure that people who commit these types of offenses are held accountable. What time, when you say accountable, what type of And how do they figure out what type of a jail sentence these people are, or prison sentence, I should say, these people are going to get? How I know there's some kind of a chart. (laughs) I don't know. There is, yeah. So we refer to it as the sentencing chart. That's what it is. And it's set out by the legislature. So when the legislature enacts laws, such as the human trafficking or sex trafficking laws, they're going to set out a certain range of time that's going to be associated with it. So child sex trafficking, for example, if there's a minor under the age of 18 that someone is trafficking, that person's going to look at anywhere from a minimum of 13 years up to as much as 27 years for a single count. So it's a pretty severe penalty for folks. So somebody like um, that singer, I guess his name is Kelly. Yes. he He's going to jail for a long, long time. Yes. People with these kinds of offenses will be going to jail for a long, long time. I know federal statutes and different statutes do mandate different um sentencings. So I don't know exactly, you know, what the sentencing schemes are for them. In Arizona, it is 13 to 20, 27. And oftentimes we hear people talk about getting out for good behavior. Um, This kind of a sentence requires them to serve 100% a day for day sentence for for, uh, child sex trafficking. So it's not time served, slap on the wrist and you get to go. Absolutely not. Get out and play again. No way. So, okay. That I'm glad to hear that. Now, you said federal. Is there a different type of sentencing thing between a federal and what would make something a federal crime compared to a state or a county 
Is there a difference? There is, and really it comes down to being the jurisdiction that they're in. So our federal partners, the U.S. Attorney's Office, they also handle sex trafficking cases, usually at a level where we're talking about multiple states being involved. So any kind of cross-state activity going on. So if there are um, sex trafficking victims that are being trafficked not only in Arizona, and so my jurisdiction, Pima County, right? Those are the cases that I will be prosecuting as events that occur here in Pima County. Sex trafficking is something that travels all over our country. And so you have many people who are being trafficked that are going to be trafficked in California, in Nevada, in Colorado, in Utah, and in Arizona. And those would be cases that the feds would have jurisdiction over and the U.S. attorney partners would be the ones to take those over. Have they ever had, you know, somebody who's being trafficked, like you, I think they call it the circuit, they're going from state to state. Right. Can they be convicted in the state and then also convicted by the feds or is it one or the other? Usually it's one or the other, but there are some statutes and indications where we can prosecute them in both places. So it just depends on the elements of the offense and what we're talking about. In the sex trafficking arena, we usually partner with the feds, so it'll either be their case or it'll be a case that that we will handle locally. So who has a larger jail time or a longer jail time? (sighs) I, I should have checked the federal statutes you're testing me here because I don't know what their time frame is. I know that our statutes tend to run consecutively, and I know that on at least child sex trafficking, I do believe our sentencing ranges, the 13 to 27, is stiffer than the federal penalties. Don't hold me to that, Sherry, but oh, no, I do I'm going to hold you to it. We... <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. So, uh, no, and I, I think when you, you're talking about somebody like, and I was talking to a psychiatrist, and they said these people who of um you're talking child children in in getting involved with sex these people there's something really wrong with them and they can't help themselves and there's no cure for what they do so what happens with them when when they're locked up do they get segregated someplace or are they put in mainstream or do you even know So I do know that if someone is convicted of an offense that involves a child, particularly a sexual offense, they are housed separately from other offenders in the uh, DOC system. So the Department of Corrections does, as a general rule, house those people separately um, together, separately from all the other populations. So all the perverts are in one room (laughs) and all the normal people are in the other ones, just bad judgment people? That is one way to put it. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, yeah. (laughs) They are. So, uh. so, okay. You've been doing this for quite a while. What is the like the worst case that you've had to work? So the cases that I've handled um, primarily have been with one of the detectives at the Tucson Police Department, Jennifer Crawford. She's the one who um, really, I think, is a... Uh, huge force for us in terms of the investigations that we've been able to prosecute. And I would say the ones that really... um, Give you nightmares. Yeah, give you nightmares or just really break your heart are going to be the ones that involve the kids. We've had some sex sex trafficking cases involving adults and they're heartbreaking, but it's the kids. um, One young girl in particular who was in a group home And it was a defendant that we had that was just starting out essentially in trafficking activity. And he 
essentially seduced away a young girl from a group home and started buying her clothes and giving her gifts and wanting her to participate um, in sex acts that would make both of them money. So that was one that was, I would say, particularly heartbreaking. This young girl had been through a lot in her own life. And when you take a vulnerable population like those who live in group homes and then try to exploit the fact that they are looking and craving something in someone who's going to love them and pay attention to them, it really breeds, I think, um, a very ugly side of humanity when you have someone who's willing to take advantage of someone in that way. Wow. That's really sad, and I know I've I've watched a few movies, you know, that involve sex trafficking stuff, and one of them, I can't remember who was in it, but one of them was about a group home, and, you know, foster kids or orphaned kids, and they were using them once they reached a certain age. They couldn't be there anymore, and somebody would pick them up, and then they were sex trafficked, and as you go from one horrible situation to worse situation. Right. It's absolutely true. And it's something that happens, I think, more easily with our vulnerable type populations. And it's not to say that, you know, parents of teenage kids that are very active in their child's lives shouldn't be paying very close attention to this kind of activity. It doesn't just happen to the vulnerable, but certainly those who are in situations where they are runaways or in group homes or in foster care and are really looking for someone or something um, to cling on to. To cling on to, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And these people are out there um, and they are looking to take advantage of these folks in ways that none of us ever want to imagine that someone else would. What are some of the signs that parents think that, you know, my kids live at home, I don't have to worry about this? Yeah, you have to worry about it because your kids could be sex trafficked right off your sofa. They really can be. And the online world today, I think, is incredibly dangerous. You have kids who have cell phones and they're constantly on them, right? And when you don't have the ability as a parent to monitor what's going on, how can you be sure of who they're actually talking to? Um, I would venture to say video games. Most kids have Xboxes or uh, other types of games now where they're communicating with other people. And half the time you have no idea who those other people are that are sitting on the other side of that microphone talking to your kids or what they're um, trying to get them involved in. So as parents being actively involved in what's going on with your kids, paying attention to what they're doing and who they're talking to, knowing who their friends are, that's something that's going to be a huge factor for Children that are being trafficked, one of the first signs that you will see is your child suddenly shows up with something that's more expensive that you haven't bought for them that, you know, they've got from somewhere else. And I think asking questions about where those kinds of things came from, that could be one sign that you could be looking for as a parent. If they're showing up with new clothes, new shoes, bags, purses, something like that. An extra cell phone. An extra cell phone certainly is going to be one that would be a factor. And if you're, you're, child tells you they're going to do a sleepover with a friend, confirm it. That's right, Sherry. Confirm it because that's been an excuse. I'm going to go have a sleepover with a friend. Parents don't confirm it and actually they're being sex trafficked. That is absolutely true. And it doesn't have to be the kind of situation where you're seeing bruises or marks or, you know, a situation where these um, young kids, and I know I keep using terms associated with females, but it also happens with boys too, right? It's not just girls, it's boys. But 
you have these people who um, we would refer to them as Romeo pimps. They're the kind of people who are going to charm young girls and young boys away from their families in a way that they don't recognize that it's anything other than love to them. So this guy really likes me. He digs me. He's into me. Um, He wants to give me all of these shiny things that I wouldn't otherwise have. And they like that. And it's not until they're able to groom them, get them away from their families and isolate them. Do you start to see other things start happening um, that maybe the, the child will start reacting to in a very negative way? And they also like to to get them hooked on drugs, so they're more dependent on them. Anything that traffickers can do to make those kids, adults, whatever it is, more vulnerable is absolutely going to be their game. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. This is Deputy Chuke with Pima County Search and Rescue. Save your phone's battery life so when you get lost, we may contact you. Wearing bright colors that can be seen from a distance helps the effort. This is a rescue, not a scavenger hunt. Daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping. You're not only cold, hungry, and lost in a densely wooded area, you're injured. Time is of the essence. Sarsi is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I dot org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. This is Colleen, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. If you are hiking with children and pets, you need to carry the extra supplies they can't. Remember, one quart of water per person per hour. And when it's half gone, turn around and start down. Law Matters opens the lines of communication between you and law enforcement. Hi, this is Sherry. On our next show, Elections Director Constance Hargrave helps us get ready for November. If you have questions about the voting process, call in at 790-2040. And check out our Law Matters sponsorship page on lawmatters1030.org website. Maybe you or your company would like to join our mission to help keep the conversation going. Thanks for staying with us. I think Chris might be on the phone. Is he on the phone? Can you hear me? Hi, Sherry. I got you. (laughs) Hi. So Hi. what's going on over there? Who do you have with you? So I am next to uh, Chief Bader with the uh, Tucson International Airport Authority, but uh, it's um, not a lot of traffic yet, but it looks like all of our booths are set up and uh, ready to receive. Very cool. Let's hear what, what Chief Bader has to say. Yeah, so we'll start with Chief. So, yeah, let me see it up. You want me to put him on first? or Yeah, put him on first. Let's hear what he has to say. What's going on at the airport? Okay, you ready? Yeah. Nice to meet you. Go ahead. Hey, Sherry, how's it going? It's Chief Bader. Hi, Chief Bader. How's it going? Good, good. We're out here at the Steampump Ranch 
helping support our, uh, all the um, people out here that are promoting the anti-human trafficking. Tell us what's going on at the airport. What, do the, what does the airport do to help make people more aware of what's going on with sex trafficking and human trafficking? So one of, one of the big things for us right now is that we've partnered up with the Blue Lightning Campaign with the Department of Homeland Security. And so that is a, a, a huge campaign that they are pushing right now for airports to participate in. It uh, allows people to have information and get resources if they're being trafficked. Uh, so we have different signs throughout the terminal and in more private locations. So if somebody that's being trafficked uh, gets an opportunity to get to themselves, they can they can access these, this information and make a phone call and try to get help. Uh, one of the one of the key things is that the Tucson International Airport was the first airport in Arizona to uh, partner with the Blue Lightning campaign. That's awesome. I had not heard about the Blue Lightning campaign. Had you, Tracy? I have heard about it, yes. And so you say, you know, it's all over the airport, like in the ladies' room? Yeah, so in the in the restroom stalls, uh, there's posters and signage uh, to where people, if they're in one of the stalls, they can privately uh, get that information, get a phone number and, and information on how to get help. Okay. Oh, and are the resources located at the airport or is it a number they call? How does this work? No, it, it's a it's a national number that they would call and then they they would help them find the resources here in Arizona or in the Tucson area to get that help. And then obviously, you know, it says if, for them to also call 911, which would contact us and then we would respond and and help with the situation as well oh that's awesome i didn't know about this program and in the airports are one of those places where things happen it's unfortunate but things do happen have you had any situations where you've helped somebody who is in a situation they wanted out of uh, we've had a couple. Uh, fortunately, what, what it's been is, is that somebody in the airport has seen um, some suspicious behavior and have called us directly, and then we've gone over and investigated. Um, fortunately, uh, it wasn't anything you know super serious, but we were able to, to get people the help that they, uh, that they needed. And then we've also been working uh, recently with our our fixed-based operators that we have out there, which are the other private businesses that surround the the airport for people that uh, have gen- general aviation aircraft. So we've been working with them as well uh, because there is also the possibility that individuals being trafficked can come in on private planes as well. Yes. Yes, so true. Okay, well, then, that's awesome. Yeah, I- the other- Go ahead. I was going to say the other thing that we do too is Anybody that works at the airport, they have to go through a security process to get their ID badge to work at the airport. And part of that process, they have to go through specialized training on security measures. And we do have a human trafficking uh, part to that. And so they go through a human trafficking to be able to recognize and identify signs of somebody that's being trafficked. That's awesome because they didn't used to do that. And everybody, I mean especially the airport, but any industry, hotels, you know, restaurants, people need to be trained so that they recognize what's happening. Maybe we can help more people that way. 
I don't think we'll ever stop the trafficking thing, but at least we can do our best to help people who are in that situation. Yeah, hopefully we can put a nice size dent in it. Exactly. Always disrupt their activities. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on it and talking to us. Uh, Tracy and I will be there probably in about an hour to join everybody and, and see what's happening at the Steampump Ranch. Well, very good. Look forward to seeing you. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Sherry. Yeah, no, I'm back. How okay. are you? I'm okay. What else do you have out there? What's going on? Well, we've, we've got quite a bit out here. You know, we've got our non-government partners. We've got people from uh, the International Rescue Committee. We've got Pathways of Arizona. We've got Arizona Dream Center. Then we've got our government partners. I heard uh, Tracy talking about Detective Crawford. She's out here with Saturn, which is the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network. We actually also have our state-of-the-art brand-new Oral Valley PD Mobile Command Center. So if anyone's interested in checking that out, it's on site. Oh, cool. Do you have lights flashing so we can find it? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, we do. Very cool. Is Gina available? Is she out there? Yeah, absolutely. From uh, Soul Survivor. Let me, uh, there she is. Hold on. I'm going to walk over to Gina. Gina's visiting the other booth. <laughs> Soul Gina? Survivor, Inc., She's going to tell us what she does. This is this is pretty important, especially for the victims. Gina? Oh, hi, Sherry. This is Gina. Yes. Hey, Gina. Tell us about what Soul Survivor Inc. does, because I don't think people realize how important what you do is. So talk yes. to us. So what we do is we cover or remove the brandings that are put on these victims of sex trafficking. Um, you know, I think online it says there's one third that get branded, and I disagree with that. I say it's most of them in, in uh, the United States. This is an American thing. Most brandings come in a form of a tattoo, but we get burns. We get um, some people that come in that have been scarred with a jackknife. And so we have estheticians, tattoo artists, and tattoo removal specialists throughout the country, and we average about 1,000 procedures a year, and we just want to help them heal, you know, from the outside. To have to look at this branding every day is just a reminder. It's a reminder. And that one lady that we spoke with, Phoenix, she Mm -hmm. had, she was forced to get 18 tattoos. Yes, she's branded from the top of her neck to the bottom of her foot. And some of these brandings are the name. Some say, um, you know, death before dishonor. We see a lot of crowns, money bags, numbers, signs barcodes it is absolutely disgusting how arrogant you know to say the least that these traffickers are yeah and it's out there open they don't hide these brandings they're out there for everyone to see that's just amazing and i felt so sorry for her i think about her a lot i don't know where she is now but i think about her a lot and if you talk to her again tell her i'm thinking of her (laughs) i absolutely will so who else is out there? What's going on out there? Are you playing games? I heard you weren't in your booth. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm walking around meeting everyone. I don't live here in Tucson, so it's been amazing to actually meet the people I've talked to or have done Zooms with. Yes. So we're meeting and just swapping information. It's awesome. They have such a networking group. It's just amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of resources out there. And even if you think you don't know anybody who's ever been sex trafficked and it's not affecting you, it's nice to know what is available in case you ever need it. So we want everybody to come out to Steampump Ranch, the Farmer's Market, 
and check out what all the vendors, there's over 20 of them there, check out what the vendors have and what they have to say. And all our agencies, they work really hard to try to disrupt what's going on. And you can be a part of it. You can help. That's what they need, your eyes, your ears, and, of course, your voice. So Education is so powerful. It is. It is. And we, we need to help each other. So thank you. thank you for being out there. And, and where did you come in from? I didn't know you weren't in Tucson. Oh, Phoenix. Yeah, we're, we're based in Phoenix. I did not know that. <laughs> yes, but we work so well with these um, with Tucson. They invited us to come. We're like, of course we'll be there. Yes. We yes. love Tucson. We just love what you have going on here. It's like collectively, you guys are amazing. Like you're, you're like um, arms and legs of a body, you know, and that's what we need. Exactly. We need, so many we need all these all these agencies to work together, and we every do. one of them does a little bit of a different thing, which is great. And you know they they work together. So if you need help or you want information, these are the people that can help you. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, thank you, Gina, for everything you do. Yes, thank you. Is Chris? Hey, Sherry, I'm back. You're back. Okay, what else is going on out there? Well, we got uh, Pathways of Arizona. It's a real uh, important group. Uh, they do the outpatient behavioral health. You know, they help uh, try to restore these uh, these victims. Uh, I got uh, Stacy here. If you'd like to talk to her, sure. There you are. Hi, Sherry. <laughs> I heard him tell you it's Sherry. <laughs> so- <laughs> Stacy, who are you with, and tell us what you do. I'm at, with Pathways of Arizona, and I'm a therapist there. Okay. Do I need help? Um, <laughs> this is Sherry. She's a case for the coach. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how you help the victims when when they come your way. Um, I help them to feel safe and comfortable, let them know that um, they didn't do anything wrong and there's no shame regarding um, what has happened to them and just make them feel safe to tell their story. And that's that's one of the things. A lot of times the victims will clam up. They won't talk. They hold everything inside, and that's not healthy either. <laughs> so Exactly. So Teaching to, them that it's safe to talk about it and, and that there's people here for them. And knowing that there's others that have had to talk about it too, they're not alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how long have you been doing this? I've worked at Pathways for 13 years, um, and I have gotten involved with trafficking victims in the past five to six years. I bet you've seen some really not nice things. Uh, yes, <laughs> some not pleasant things. Yeah. Well, I appreci- appreciate what you do. Do um Thank you. do the people that come to you do they is it like they come every week every day how does that work when you're trying to help somebody or does it depend on the person It depends on the person and their identified issues sometimes it's um weekly sometimes it's every other week um it's usually one of the two of those options And do you see a a change in them after they've been able to come visit you for a while Absolutely. I've seen a lot of shame decrease and a lot of empowerment. Um, I've also had clients who have been able to work through 
everything that's happened to them and be able to testify um, against their perpetrators, which has been pretty amazing to see. That has to be a two-sided situation. You're, you're going to see this person again. You, you know, obviously they're in trouble, and you have to relive yeah. this story in front of them. That has to be traumatic. Um, it is, but it's also healing in a lot of ways because they can tell their story without um, feeling like they're going to get hurt again and knowing that the system will protect them and provide that person with some consequences. Yeah, I would want to be at the sentencing part. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> the amazing part is watching um, the client's faces as the person gets put in handcuffs. And hauled away for a long, yeah, long time. Probably the best part. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Well, I appreciate yeah. everything you do, and, and that's I know it's a lot of work, and I'm not sure I could do what you do actually to listen to these stories and you know not get really upset about it thank you i'm just appreciative that i get to be a part of their recovery yeah that's huge well thank you thank you for what you do and let's see what chris is doing is he in trouble yet all right he is in trouble always thank you so much (laughs) thank you Hey, Sherry, I think I missed uh, my occupation. Uh, the field reporting is, is pretty fun, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I won't tell the chief you said that. <laughs> uh, please don't. Okay. Um, who else do you have? What, who else is out there? Are you hula hooping, well, by the way? I know they have toys I, out there. Not yet. I, I've got my duty belt on, so uh, not yet. Well, when we but, get uh, there, we, yeah. we want you to hula hoop for us. <laughs> I will. Uh, no. <laughs> but uh, no. It's, that's not going to happen, but, uh, yeah, no. So, you know, Oral Valley, uh, kind of a, you know, mid-sized agency and we, this is a huge problem, you know, throughout the country and no one agency can handle it itself. You know, everything, uh, you know, all the work that Trace Miller does at the County Attorney's Office and our friends at the Tucson Police Department, HSI. And, uh, I actually found Jen Crawford. I know Tracy had mentioned that Jen's here with Saturn. Um, I can put her on. Yes. Let's talk to Jennifer. All right. Here you go. Thanks. Um, <laughs> he's he could he's looking for her <laughs> she hiding? Oh, good morning hello hey jennifer how are you now sorry i had to get situated over here i'm good how are you guys this morning we're doing great we're doing great good morning jen <laughs> good morning yeah we're just out here we got all set up so uh everybody should come out and come say hi yeah, they're at the Steam Pump Ranch Farmer's Market, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on out there. Everybody should be out there getting information and learning about what's going on and how all these agencies are helping. And especially yeah, Jen, I, she works really hard. I just put people follow us on our Facebook page, Saturn. I just posted a bunch of pictures from all the different organizations that are out here. So it's a beautiful day. It's not too hot right now, so... Yeah, they'll be there until noon, and Tracy and I will be out there right after the show. We're going to go out there and and watch Chris Olson hula hoop. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. (laughs) So, are you tired? When did you get in? I know you were out of town. 
I did. I was actually at a human trafficking awareness conference um, all week long up in Las Vegas, um, meeting with some of our uh, people up there. Uh, we actually do interact with Vegas quite a bit, um, unfortunately, but um, probably no surprise. You know, obviously we have a lot of cases with minors or adults there. Sometimes because obviously they're traveling and Vegas is a huge, you know, money marketing hub um, that we have a lot of interaction with Las Vegas. So it was nice to go up there and meet our current counterparts and get some new information on what they're seeing and trends that, you know, certainly overlap into our jurisdiction as well. So I got in late last night. I got I got to bed about 1 a.m., 1.30 this morning. Oh, my God. Because, <laughs> you know, flight delays, uh, it's all good, though. Well, I'm I'm glad you made it, and I'm glad you weren't in Tampa. I guess I was watching the news. I'm going. Do you see Jen flying around anywhere? <laughs> Being flown around. So, very cool. We're going to be yep. there in a little while, and hold the fort down for us, okay? All right, we will. We hope to see you guys out here. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Thank you. So, let's see if Chris gets back on. He's going to hang up Field on reporter, me. Field uh, reporter Chris is back, Sherry. Field reporter Chris. <laughs> I love it. So what else is going out there? They Last year they had food trucks out there. Are the food trucks there? I don't see I don't see any food trucks. We have so many vendors from the farmer's market that there's plenty of food. So, but uh, from where I'm standing, I don't see a food truck. I think we do have some tents set up that are providing uh, breakfast, but uh, no trucks that I see. You can go out there and have breakfast. Visit all the all the people that are you know in this area. This is a huge event. We do it every year, first Saturday in October. This is something that people need to know. This is October, the Sex Trafficking Awareness Month. So, Chris. Yeah, I'm and gonna... the address itself, you know, to put in your uh, Google Maps or your Apple Maps is 10901 North Oracle Road. One way to access it is behind the QT um, uh, on Oracle Road, and you can uh, just drive behind the QT and access access it. Oh, okay. It's on, it's on the west side of the street. I know that. I remember yeah. that part, so I won't get lost. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tracy, tell us more about the efforts you put into um, charging somebody. How do you get the evidence? And is it difficult to convince these people? Because the, the victims are the crime scene. Is it difficult to convince them to testify? That's probably the most difficult element of these kinds of prosecutions. You have these people who have survived some really terrible nightmares for most of their life and to try to get them to cooperate and as you said earlier relive this situation in a courtroom and testify against the person that has been so evil to them for so long that's not an easy thing to get someone to do and the most important dynamic i think for all of us is that these victims become survivors and that they're able to heal so what is it that we can do to assist with that we clearly want to put the perpetrators away for as long as possible most of our cases, however, do end up pleading if we're able to charge them. And a lot of it is the detectives that are working these kinds of cases. Um, Detective Crawford and the folks from um, the federal side, it really is how they handle these folks when they encounter them, right? So if they are treated in a way that makes them feel respected, not feel shameful, and they are... um, 
they have the services that are available to them. All of those things and the way that they're um, talked to and the way that they're treated initially makes a big difference in whether or not they're willing to or have any desire to participate in prosecution. It's never something that we force because we understand and recognize the dynamics of surviving human trafficking. But for us, in terms of charging, if we don't feel that the survivor is going to be able to participate in a prosecution, sometimes we'll look for other kinds of things that we can charge the person with, maybe a lower level class felony. It's not going to be as serious as the trafficking charge would be necessarily, but there are pandering charges and other things that we can do. Lower level felonies, but something to keep these people held accountable where it doesn't require victim participation for us to be able to go forward. In some instances, we do charge the trafficking and hope that the uh, victims are going to be able to come forward and testify and put that perpetrator away and keep them out of the community. You said pleadings. So give me an example. You're charging somebody with sex trafficking, maybe, you know, obviously each time they're assaulted is a trafficking situation. How do you prove that they've been assaulted how many times and where does the pleading come in? So for each one of the uh, trafficking charges, sometimes we do charge collective activity if we're able to prove each one of those, but we can never prove a case like that without the survivor participating, right? In order for us to be able to prove that there was an act of um, force or coercion or something that was committed upon them in exchange for some side, some sort of sexual activity, we can't prove that charge. So um, most of the time, if we are in a position where we can't prove that, then we'll look to a charge that doesn't require that. So pandering, for example, was the perpetrator involved in exchanging something of value, usually money, right, in these situations um, for some sort of sex conduct, sex activity, then we can charge that person with that. And it's just the act of receiving that information. One of the things I think we haven't talked much about today is the fact that human trafficking, sex trafficking in particular, only occurs because there are people out there who are willing to participate without asking any questions, you know, and it's those uh, buyers, so to speak, in our community that really fuel this kind of activity. And we need people to understand that, you know, they think they're going out to get some form of sexual gratification and they have no idea what these victims and survivors have had to endure for all of their lives for that 10 minute segment that they're going to get with these people. So it's really, really, um, I think, important to have the community involved in all kinds of ways. So you're talking about the users, the people who are buying sex. What happens with them? Most of the time, nothing, which is, you know, I think the sad part of all of this. That's sick. It is very sick. And, you know, um, unfortunately, the focus, I don't want to say unfortunately, the focus truly is on the trafficker, the person that has usually a number of people who are involved in this kind of activity, but the actual receivers of this kind of um, sexual activity have very little consequence. It'll be a misdemeanor in most of those particular cases if and when they're actually charged. Wow, that's kind of upsetting. It's more than upsetting. So, so what do we do to fix it? 
You know, I think that becomes a legislative change. I think if there was a way for us to actually catch the buyers or be in a position of having um, them be held accountable for things, it definitely would up the ante and I think make it at least more difficult um, or more dangerous for them to try to be involved in these kinds of things. Like Prince Andrew, he was held accountable. <laughs> that's, that's uh, yeah, I, hats yeah. off to her for not giving up on that. Right. It's like, you know, he, he was the sex trafficker, but you were, you know, a customer, I guess. Right. Is, what do you call him? Yeah. So. Customer is a good word. Yeah. So, <laughs> so well, I, every time I talk with people about this, I have my eyes open to new details that I didn't know before. And that's really cool. And I, like I said, the Blue Lightning, I'd never heard of that program. How long has that been around, do you know? I'm not sure. I want to say it's been at least a couple of years. Um, and it really is about educating people in the community, particularly the airport. I mean, if anyone has used a restroom, like you said, at the airport, you're going to see the signs that are on the back of the doors as you close the stalls, uh, letting people know that there is help. And that first step of people who are trafficking victims actually getting the help that they need and not being fearful or afraid that something bad is going to happen to them, um, that there are people out there to help them who want to help them is a big deal. And there's people right at the airport that will come and get you and save you. Absolutely. So it's not like you're calling 911 and you have to wait for somebody from downtown Tucson or Oro Valley or someplace else. They are right at the airport and they will keep you safe. They really are. And I think people who are trafficked, I think it was our uh, Stacy at Pathways talked about the empowerment dynamic for these people. And she talked about being able to watch victims testify in court. There really is something to be said for watching the weight be lifted off a survivor's shoulders when they walk away from that stand and they have had the opportunity to look their trafficker in the eyes and let them know that they are more powerful than he ever was. And, and that a, they're going to be held accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. I want to remind everybody to, to come out to Steampump Ranch, the farmer's market in Oral Valley, and see what's going on there. There's a lot of agencies, a lot of information. There's games for kids to play, and maybe we can get Chris to hula hoop for us. And I also want to remind everybody the Rockin' for Heroes concert is Sunday, October 16th from 12 to 6. This is a free concert. Donations are welcome, and the proceeds will go to Veterans First Responders Living Memorial that they're creating out there. It's pretty amazing. So check that out, too. And until next week, I want everybody to shop local, stay safe, and don't forget that we're going to have uh, a lot of things happening in Oral Valley. Last words? Thank you very much for having me, Sherry. We look forward to seeing everyone out at Steampump Ranch. Exactly. Thank you for coming. And we'll be there shortly. Law Matters opens the lines of communication between you and law enforcement. Hi, this is Sherry. On our next show, Elections Director Constance Hargrave helps us get ready for November. 
If you have questions about the voting process, call in at 790-2040. And check out our Law Matters sponsorship page on lawmatters1030.org website. Maybe you or your company would like to join our mission to help keep the conversation going. 